Hello, and welcome to episode one of the Raised Catholic podcast. Now, with a name like Raised Catholic, you might think one thing about this show that I'm going to get out of the way immediately. I was raised Catholic. That is what this podcast is about. But I find it a little amusing when somebody says, Oh, I was raised Catholic. My parents were Catholic. I grew up going to church. It means they're no longer religiously affiliated with that religion. Or at least in my own personal experience, that's what that means. I was raised Catholic. I no longer identify with the Catholic Church, nor personally do I identify with any sort of religion. But I want to make it crystal clear that this podcast is not a platform to discriminate or talk bad about people based on their religious views. I think it is okay no matter what you believe in, so long as your beliefs don't impact on the happiness of others. That's a quote from a song by Australian-born singer, songwriter, comedian, artist, amazing person, Tim Minchin, that I'm probably going to quote a lot throughout this podcast and series. But as long as your religious beliefs don't hurt, discriminate, or otherwise do bad on other groups or individuals, then whatever. I don't care. But to me personally, I don't identify with any of those uh, religions or any sort of faith, really. And that's just a little disclaimer I wanted to get out of the way before I started. Now, I was raised Catholic. I went to Catholic school from kindergarten until the time I graduated high school. I grew up in one of the most conservative Catholic dioceses in the entire country of the United States. I think we are the most or second most conservative Catholic diocese in the U.S., and that was always apparent to me. And it wasn't really hidden either. It was something I felt like most individuals in the organization of the church here were proud of. My city is one of the only Catholic dioceses that doesn't allow female altar, well, we call them altar boys, so it'd be kind of against the name to have female altar boys, but altar people, um, no female acolytes, and that was something that always confused me, that other places allowed it, other churches allowed it, but the Catholic church where I lived Nope, you had to be a boy to be involved in the church unless you wanted to be a nun and take a vow of poverty, which priests don't have to do. And that's, that's a discussion for a, another, <laughs> another topic. So I just want to talk about my journey through Catholic school to start this first episode into where I am now. I'm a few years out of college at this point, so I'm far beyond my Catholic school days. I, as a, as a personal tidbit that you may want to know about me, um, I've been diagnosed with uh, severe social anxiety, uh, chronic or persisting depression, ADHD, and OCD. And I'm not blaming Christianity, but I do think the lessons I learned in Catholic school, given that I had these mental illnesses, um, were exacerbated. I was a very gullible child. I took everything very literally, and a lot of the teachings that I learned in Catholic school and in my religion class 
scared the shit out of me. I was terrified of going to hell on a constant basis. I was always scared of being in trouble. Every time I said, oh my God, privately or even in my head, I had a little panic attack because I thought I was going to hell if I died. Now, obviously, you might say, well, that's not really how the Catholic faith works. As an adult, I can rationalize that. As a 9-year-old, 10-year-old, 11-year-old child, I could not rationalize that. And I don't think it's fair to assume that I could. Growing up in Catholic school was always very strange to me because I did receive a very good education, I will admit. I attribute that more, though, to the fact that I lived in a wealthier area of town, and I went to a, the newest Catholic school at the time. That, I feel like, is more of a contributor than the fact that it was a Catholic school. Now, we had about one period every day devoted to religion class, or Catholic class, it seems it was really the only religion we discussed, and... For the first few years, I genuinely only remember having to learn prayers. I cannot tell you a single thing that we did on a day-to-day -day basis other than paint pictures of Jesus or the Virgin Mary or other saints that had a scripture quote or something similar and memorize prayers. We had prayer tests at my school that your religion grade, you were graded in religion class. I think... For the first few years, it was graded like our specials were, which is kind of funny. Like PE, library, like you get either a basically a happy face or a frowny face. It's not that simple, but it wasn't an A to F scale. It was more of a needs improvement, excellent, um, that kind of scale for our special classes. And I don't think we had religion grades until like third or fourth grade, maybe even second grade. I don't remember, but we had... To memorize these prayers, we had little sheets that we would take home. They would tell us to practice with our parents every night. And I mean, praying with your parents every night when you are a Catholic kid is kind of, it's nice. I will say I enjoyed it at the time. It was a time where I was close with my family and we were all gathered together doing something I was learning in school. So it was actually applying to my home life and it felt a little secure. I'm not going to lie. I wouldn't do it with my kids personally. I don't really see myself raising my kids in such a way, but I'm not in the slightest upset that my parents decided to put me in Catholic school. I know they're Catholic, and they wanted me to get a good education, and they did that. That being said, I feel like I wasted about an hour of every day of my schooling in these religion classes especially when I got into high school, because we had to take a full year, two-semester theology class every year, Theology 1, 2, 3, and 4. Now, in middle school, we learned a little bit of church history, um, but still, throughout all of elementary school, I went to a K-8 through Catholic school, so there was no separate middle school. We just got to wear different uniforms, which was another thing I despised, wearing uniforms, but we'll get to that when we get to that. Trust me, I'll talk about that eventually. So I get to high school, and I'm taking these mandatory theology classes. And I can't help but feel like I there were eight class periods 
one per semester, eight semesters, that I could have learned something else, something better. Like I could have taken a home economics class or I could have taken, oh, like a wood shop class or something, something fun, maybe something useful, definitely. In my first year, we learned about the Bible. And let me tell you, the Bible is a funny thing because you will have groups of people saying, oh, religious people only listen to the Bible. They take it very literally. And then you'll have other people, mostly on the religious side, say, oh, it's all metaphor. You're not supposed to take it literally. But the Catholic teaching that we learned my freshman year of high school, and we did this by analyzing the entire gospel of Matthew and Luke, was that there are three different ways that you can take the gospel anyway. I think it applies to most of the Bible. There's the literal sense. There's an allegorical sense. And then there's just take the idea and don't listen to the facts. This, the second one is kind of muddy. I never really got that one. But the literal and the don't take it literal at all, just take the message out of it, were the two that stuck with me. And we were given an assignment, that assignment to go through Matthew and Luke, those two gospels. For every single verse, I shit you not, every single verse, it took forever. It was like a 100-page paper. We were supposed to go through every verse and say whether it was meant to be taken literally metaphorically or spiritually. Those were the three categories, literally, metaphorically, or spiritually. And what I learned was that it's really pick and choose. You see, if you see something that, oh, love your neighbor. I don't, I, I don't remember this assignment. This was 10 years ago at this point, maybe. Love your neighbor. Yeah, you're supposed to love your neighbor. Take that literally. If, <laughs> if your eyes cause you to sin, gouge them out. Okay, that's a little metaphorical. Jesus turned the bread and wine into his body and blood. Well, that's spiritual. But you see how you can just kind of pick and choose. Like, there are so many Bible verses that are really fucked up that I'm sure you've heard about. Plenty in Ezekiel and other books from the Old Testament. Um, I've never read past the Gospels in the New Testament. I'm not going to lie. They didn't make us, so I didn't. They did not make us, but we spent the year learning about the Old Testament and the Gospels. They really don't want you to read Revelations. I think it's a little too scary for 13-year-olds in the Catholic Church to kind of be like reading about the end of times and what angels actually look like. In my second year of theology in high school, I cannot tell you what I learned about because uh, I had a, a, a nun for a teacher. And not to say that the teachers I had who were nuns didn't do a good job. In middle school, I had a teacher who was a nun, and I loved her. She did a great job teaching our science classes and our English classes, and I really liked her. But this teacher I could not get behind. I did not pay attention in her class. I didn't care, and I still got good grades because it pretty much boiled down to just be Catholic and you'll do fine in the class. In my junior year of high school, we learned about church history, which I learned a little bit of in seventh and eighth grade. I enjoyed that class. My Teacher was a priest who was a bit of a rebel, I think. He, he was a bit more on the liberal side of the aisle than most of his contemporaries. He would tell us about how he used to be a, a party animal before he became a priest. And I, I thought he was pretty funny, and I developed a good relationship with him. And I really liked him, and I liked his class because I felt like he wasn't trying just to hit us over the head with a Catholic hammer like I had felt for many years in school. I felt like he was trying to 
teach us history, which I mean, it's good to have those sort of insights on church history. It especially helped me realize, man, this institution of the Catholic Church isn't such a great institution after all. Um, Not that I ever thought it was like sunshine and rainbows, but it's hard to justify the Crusades. (laughs) It's hard to justify years and years of oppression. Uh, There's a time where there were three popes all saying that they were the pope. That's pretty cool. But otherwise, it was just a regular history class. I, I was okay in school. I was pretty good. So I didn't really put much effort into it. In my senior year of high school, our theology class was called apologetics. Basically, we learned to defend the Catholic faith. And my teacher was an older nun, and she was going through a lot of back and or leg surgeries or hip surgeries or something like that. And so most of the time she was, I think, pretty loopy from painkillers. One day during class, we were learning something and she literally stands up in the middle of class and says, what time is it? And somebody said, oh, it's 11 or 12 or whatever time it was. And she says, I have to go. And she gets up and she walks out of the classroom and leaves She was late for some doctor's appointment. That's not really important. I just thought it was, (laughs) it's one of my favorite stories from that class because I didn't learn anything in that class all year. We, We did nothing. The whole, it was a waste of time in my opinion. 45 minutes wasted. I could have had a free period during that time instead where I just got to go home or go to lunch. But instead I was in this theology class. And as I graduated from high school, I had the sinking feeling that it was all a waste of time. I had gone through high school in phases of how strong my faith was. If I was trying to impress or date a particularly Catholic girl, I would start going to church a little bit more, start paying more attention. If I wasn't, uh, me and my friends uh, were not God-fearing children. None of us really cared about the church, and we were literally labeled the atheists by another group of kids, the popular kids in our school. Looking back on it, it's hilarious to me. But at the time, I was really pissed because I wasn't even an atheist. I was still like on the fence about being Catholic. And I thought it was really lame that I was being, you know, grouped into a a group called the Atheists when there were Catholic girls I was trying to impress. But anyway, that's a whole other story about how Catholic Church sort of... No, let's go into that. Okay, I was going to talk about uniforms. At my high school... We could wear shorts, which was new for me. Girls had to wear skirts in elementary school, and boys had to wear long pants every day with these ugly little polos. In high school, we could wear different colored polos, and we could wear khaki shorts. And so every day, no matter what season it was, every single kid wore khaki shorts. And we had an assembly one year. At the beginning of school, either our, I think it was our senior year, my senior year, the back-to-school assembly. Afterwards, all the boys got sent back to their classes or whatever, but all the girls got brought into the lunchroom to have a talk with our principal and vice principal, both men, about shorts length. We had a dress code, obviously. Your shorts had to be a credit card, I think, to your knees. You could have skin showing, a credit card's worth of skin showing between your knees going up and your shorts, where your shorts ended. And so during this assembly, our principal, vice principal, administration, whoever, 
brought all the girls, age 13 to 18, whatever, into the lunchroom and had a chat with them about making sure your shorts are long enough so that you don't distract the other boys in the school. And that was infuriating for me to hear and for a lot of uh, young women to hear that they were saying basically, stop dressing so slutty. Really perpetrates uh, rape culture and victim blaming, in my opinion. Was not fond of that. But that's what you could expect from my school and that is sort of what stuck with me leaving high school. Now, I went to college. I basically never left my hometown. I went to State University in my hometown. And I was dating a girl who I had known from high school. We started dating in high school. We were still dating. And so I went to church a couple times my freshman year of college. They had a, they had a Catholic church on campus. I only went a couple times. I, it, they had mass at night. I just didn't really care enough to ever go. It was a bit of a walk from my dorm, whatever. I just, at one point I was like, yeah, I'm not going to go to church anymore. But I still had a little faith in, you know, God and Catholicism. But there's definitely some moments where it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And... The summer after my freshman year, I'm a single college student. I'm living on my own, in my own place for the first time. That's not a dorm. And I, a text in one of my group chats with my friends pops up where it's an article written about a priest who had done some pretty gross things with an altar boy. And this happened in my hometown, in my home parish. The school where I went to for kindergarten to eighth grade, we had a priest who I loved who left after I was in high school. We got a new priest come in, and he basically provided some 18-year-old. They were 18. Don't get it twisted. They weren't minors, but that doesn't make it okay what happened. He invited some... Some some backstory here at my church. Sometimes on Sundays at mass, you would see eight or nine altar boys. Whereas when I was a kid, four was the max you would have. Sometimes you would run it with three because nobody wanted to do it. But this priest was known for getting more young adults and teenagers to do altar service. Whereas it used to be just like a bunch of 12 and 13 year olds. And there were some kids from my class my graduating class, who were still altar boys when they were 18. And the priest in mention, the head priest, had a party at his house, at the sacristy, as they call it, provided alcohol for these kids. Now, I was drinking at the time, but the people providing me alcohol were 21 and 22, not priests in a position of power, you know. And one of the altar boys got so drunk, he threw up all over himself, and the priest took it upon himself to bring him up to the shower, take all his clothes off, and bathe him and clean him off. And the th- there were two priests at most parishes, um, one main priest and one that was there for a couple years before they moved on to the next place. 
the secondary priest um, discovered this and reported it to the bishop. And the bishop, who is still currently the bishop of the diocese that I reside in and live in, uh, didn't do anything about it. He sent the priest to mental health facility for a quote-unquote family crisis that he was going through. And so the parishioners thought nothing of it, and he came back eventually, and everything seemed fine. And then this story broke, and you, you could probably guess everybody was a little pissed off, especially me, given that this was somebody I grew up with, going to school with every day for 12 years, 13 years. So I was pretty mad about it. At this time, it had been a long time since I had gone to Mass, but they held a quote-unquote healing Mass. Now, the healing Mass might have been a different Sunday, but this was on a weekday night. So you know it's real when people are going to church on a weekday night. They held like a prayer service in the church, and then they brought everyone downstairs to the school cafeteria to have an open forum with the bishop and the PR guys for the diocese. They, they do employ priests to be their PR directors. It's kind of funny if you think about it. And I have this whole plan where I'm going to basically yell at the bishop. So I am sitting through this prayer service, sitting, not kneeling. Um, I'm not really praying. I'm sort of collecting my, my angry thoughts. I head downstairs. I'm one of the first people there. I get in one of the first few rows and they start getting the microphones out for people to raise their concerns. And I'm the first one to raise my hand. And I grill the bishop about accountability. I ask him how we're supposed to keep him accountable, that we would have never known about the truth of this incident had the article not been released, which I believe is true entirely. And basically that I am sick that my younger brother, who was at this school, could have possibly wound up in a similar position to a groomer which is literally what the PR guy called the priest. He said it wasn't molestation, which you usually hear about with Catholic priests and altar boys. It was a case of grooming. And the PR guy goes on to explain that when he was a young man, he was groomed by a priest. And by grooming, I mean somebody who has a position of power and leverages that power to basically form an inappropriate relationship with a young person. And he explains this to the whole parish, but so you were just going to let this happen to other kids? That was basically, those were my concerns. How are we keeping you accountable? You would have let this happen to other kids. Why did you lie? And the bishop did not say a word to me in response. Eventually, he started replying to people's questions, maybe 30 minutes, an hour later into this forum. But he didn't reply to me. The PR guy replied to me. And... I walked out. I left, or I tried to leave. My mom and some other churchgoer stopped me from leaving and got me to stick around. And I was glad to see that I sort of helped the discussion um, become more serious than the, the guy who came after me asking that we should still have our 6 a.m. Saturday church times. Literally, the next guy to get a microphone was some old dude who basically said, I don't care what happened, we still need our early masses, and that prompted me to leave. So after I sort of staged, <laughs> I didn't stage that, that was a genuine reaction of mine, but after that happened, the ball got a little more rolling and people were mad, but this guy's still the bishop. 
in my diocese. And uh, as far as I know, there was nothing done to hold him accountable. I don't think that priest is practicing anymore, but you never really know, do you? You never really know. This incident sparked a whole chain of reactions in my diocese of investigations into Catholic priests. And there was a priest that taught at my high school who taught sophomores, I think primarily freshmen and sophomores, who um, he was kicked out of being a priest. I don't know that he was, he was kicked out of the priesthood. I'm just going to say kicked out because he would have these inappropriate relationships with young teenage girls. And I hear stories from friends and I cannot verify the validity of these at all. But I, I believe them, to be honest, that he would invite teenage girls over to his place at the sacristy to like hang out and watch TV. And he would flirt with these girls in class constantly. And I was glad that he got his comeuppance, to be honest, because I thought it was disgusting. And I, I'm glad that something came out of it. And I, I, I assume the investigation proved whatever was accused. So you could see that after my 12 years of Catholic schooling and this incident in my home parish, not even my home diocese, my home parish, that um, I was done with the Catholic Church as an institution entirely. Um, I believe the Catholic Church as an institution is more than, is nothing more than greedy, after money, in tax-exempt status, abusive, manipulative, and sneaky. It's a sneaky organization full of secrets and lies. And I don't care if you're Catholic. That's not going to stop me from saying what I believe. You don't have to necessarily be those things to be a member of the Catholic Church or to hold Catholic faith. But you should think about those things when you identify with a religion. I refused to continue identifying with a religion that I was just taught to believe in. Another idea stolen from a Tim Minchin song. We'll get into that eventually. But think about it. You were taught from a very young age to be Catholic, and you were taught the teachings of the Catholic Church for 12 years, for 45 minutes or more a day. You are being filled with the teachings of manipulators, liars, cheaters, thieves. I just couldn't put up with it anymore. I sort of lost faith in anything at that point. Um, the number one reason being, since the invention of the camera, no one has caught a single miracle on camera. It has not happened. It would have happened. We've had cameras for long enough. There were miracles left and right all throughout the Bible. God stopped doing miracles when the camera came out. It's a little fishy to me. There's no evidence of a God at all. There have been so many gods throughout history that it doesn't make sense that ours is the right one. I struggled with that as a child. Like, how do I know ours is the right one? And my teachers would literally just tell me, oh, you have to have faith. Well, I'm all out of faith, and so I, I don't believe. Um, I'm sorry, mom and dad. Uh, they still think I pray and go to church. Well, they know I don't go to church, but they still think I might be a little religious. It's not the case. I hope they never hear this podcast, to be honest. And I want this podcast to be a series of reflections and discussions, hopefully not just me talking every time alone, about this sort of phenomena where you're raised Catholic or another religion, not necessarily Catholic, but 
that's my experience. I want to know how it weighs particularly on mental health because my anxiety manifests in me fearing authority and me being afraid of everything. And I really do think it was exacerbated by the Catholic church and the fear that God was in my head and could hear my thoughts and I would get in trouble for thought crime. And it's really played a a very heavy hand in my mental health. I go through about an existential crisis a week about death. Death is the one thing I fear the most. I never feared it as a kid because of heaven. I feared it a little because of hell. But at least there was purgatory if I wasn't such a terrible person, or I just happened to have gone to confession before I died. That was the thing. I I literally thought, well, you can do whatever. As long as you go to confession before you die, you're good. And there's last oil rites or whatever. They showed us this video of a priest giving last or baptizing or giving the sacred oils to somebody who was dying in a car crash. That was a bit a bit of propaganda now that I look back on it. But like I now I'm worried about the eternal nothingness afterlife. And that was never really a fear of mine as a kid. So if I had realized as a kid, there is no heaven or hell. I don't know what there is, but I doubt it's whatever Jesus Christ spoke about. I probably would have had a healthier way of coping than to, um, for a lack of better terms, uh, say oppress it. I should have learned how to deal with that as a kid instead of chalking it up to all that happens. Uh, You'll be with Jesus afterwards. I don't think that's a healthy thing to teach our kids. It's okay to tell your kids there's a Santa Claus and an Easter bunny. Just so long as you have a serious discussion with them about why you told them that. Like, oh, we tell you there's an Easter bunny because you're so young and it's fun. Or we tell you there's Santa because there, there, there is a magical element about Santa bringing you gifts on Christmas. I do believe in that. I don't think Santa is as harmful as the idea of heaven and hell to people once they realize it's all a sham. And I realize that me saying it's all a sham could be pretty offensive to you if you were religious, so I apologize. All of this is my opinion. I'm not saying I know everything for certain, but when I do say things like they're facts, it's because I very strongly believe in it. Just like you, if you are religious, you might very strongly believe and have faith in a heaven and a hell. I just don't. And we're never going to agree or persuade each other. And I'm not trying to. All I'm trying to do is explain my opinions and thoughts here. And if you are offended, just don't listen. I, I, I don't really care, to be completely honest. I'll try my best not to be overly like an atheist redditor incel about it. But if you get offended, just don't listen. It's that easy. Just turn it off. You have plenty of other things to do than spend a good chunk of an hour listening to me talk about why I'm not Catholic anymore. And I feel like that's a good disclaimer to end this episode on, the inaugural Raised Catholic podcast episode. I will see if this gains any traction and be back. Hopefully I can find somebody who I went to school with who's willing to talk about this. Um, I'm going to try to keep anonymity throughout all of it. Just, I don't, I hear this all the time. Oh, what would you think if you had an employer who was like a Catholic employer and they heard your thoughts and they didn't want to hire you? Well, I wouldn't want to work for them in the first place. 
and religious freedom also gives you freedom from religion. So that's all I'm going to say. This has been the Race Catholic Podcast. Thanks for listening.